Hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Three-Tiered Eye. I'm your host, Payne Sylvan, and today I'll be reading Chapter 29 of Metanoia, the first book in the Blockhead series. Let's begin. Chapter 29 Underfoot, the cooked meat of the aliens crackled, the sounds sickening to Bo's ears. Once again, the two warriors flipped on their lights and prepared for the worst. All about them were carcasses, the unseeing dead eyes gazing at them. There was no telling how many more of these waited down in the hive below. All he could hope for is having made some kind of dent in its evil nest. Bo still didn't like the odds. While dozens had died at their hands, there was a whole hive festering underneath. From his arm, Ovnis reached out and split into three limbs. The mid-pendant glow blue with a blue luminescence, while the other two held his weapons. Lighting the whole area around them for a few meters, she waved from side to side, searching for enemies. Only twice she struck out with quick speed, spearing a monster waiting to drop on its prey. Finally, they returned to the branching paths and listened carefully down the passageway that led to the infected hive. Faintly, the sounds of distant shrieks echoed to them, and to his surprise, they seemed to diminish. Maybe they had made a difference. As he thought this, Bo remembered Owen was somewhere in the hive, no doubt on a warpath. Alvinus had shown she was more than capable of handling the mutants, even when attached to him. It was so easy for her to dismantle bodies despite being anchored down. The prospect of a fully independent Halgoin was terrifying. The destruction Owen could unleash unmatched by anything anyone could do single-handedly. Stepping tentatively down the path, they kept their guard up. Creeping silently along, they encountered nothing. The only sound to be heard was the soft scuff of their feet and the far-off wrenching cries. Glistening wetly in their path, dead mutants lay in heaps of carnage. No bullet wounds or energy burns could be seen, the damage dealt by what looked to be bite marks leaving flesh torn forcefully from the bodies. Owen was definitely the perpetrator of these gruesome acts. She hardly left any of the altered Dessen with more than half of their body. The alien blood was just beginning to dry, the thick sludge of gore sticking to the bottom of their boots with sickening splats. Bo remembered the crew members of Koskurst, just outside the command deck. It sunk in that Owen had probably been killing pointlessly, just as much as the monsters the crew had helped create. Owen came this way. Keep an eye out for her, Bo told Chek. Yes, the Connor replied solemnly. Working their way further in, the signs of death multiplied until there wasn't an inch of stone unstained by blood and innards. This is insane. How can one being possibly do this? Bo muttered as his light revealed more of the disgusting sight. Hagluin are not one being, but the sum of all creatures, Ovenus said. We are creatures of perfection, as science has often called us. Hansen was fortunate to detain us without losing his life. He may have been the only one to ever devise a means to subdue and contain us. How did he do it? Bo asked. A gravity field stronger than a hundred times of this planet, she replied. He forced us down into submission, unable to move or resist. Any other life form would have been crushed under their own weight. I see, he replied blankly. This is why Owen is so resentful and destructive, 
It was torturous, and she grew to be filled with hate and rage. I was too for a time, but I realized that harboring such emotions had no gain, and they only worked against me, Alvinus continued. What made you realize that? Bill inquired. A pair of eyes formed on the back of his hand, forming out of the armor to look straight up at him. You did, Alvinus said. At a loss for words as ever, he flushed under his armor. Ahead, Chek said, breaking the moment. Inky blackness waited in a wide opening, the bloody swath carrying on into the darkness. Stepping into the main cavern of the hive, they shone their lights about, the beams not even reaching the ceiling. Here the buildings were of a better build, more concrete in their form and in neat rows. The construction was much more elaborate, the architecture carved with swirling stones and stilt-like supports. Holes covered the surface of the structures, the porthole entrances designed for the Desson now filled with shadow. All about them, the screams of the mutants rang out against the cavern walls, making pinpointing their location impossible. Relying on his HUD, Bo trusted the movement tracker in the corner, only showing himself and check within the vicinity. It appeared any signs of life in the area had been drawn to or wiped away by Owen, leaving the way clear for them. Fine cobbled streets inlaid with dried secretions stretched out ahead of them, a steep contrast to the rough carved roads of the uninfected half of the colony. Walking slowly through the buildings, Alvinus wove in and out of each one. She was meticulous in searching for the armory as Bo and Chek stood guard while she scouted. Shadows flickered at the edge of his vision while he waited for the Hagolin's expiration, raising his nerves on end. He knew his mother rewired his brain against his hallucinations, so he could only assume that the apparent movement was a monster, or worse, Owen. However, when he twisted his head to shine a light to the shadows, he saw nothing. His nerves were starting to get to him. Emerging from her most recent excursion, Alvaness urged them further down the underground city. Passing block after block, the small group searched, surrounded all the while by unsettling scenes of death. Being at the epicenter of the HG-00 outbreak was eerie. The once flourishing colony's only inhabitants now turned to primal beasts that howled and moaned. To be at the center of a place that once held thousands upon thousands of lives that were now dead felt frightening. Dwelling idly on these thoughts, he caught a glimpse that sent a spark of adrenaline through his veins. Through one of the Dedesson portholes, a faint blue light glimmered from the interior. Ominous, the hunter whispered quietly through his helmet speaker. Slithering back to his side, the Hagolin opened her mouth, and then she too caught the telltale glow of the applicator. Let's go, she said determinedly. Tugging him forward, she led them to the building that held the block-headed monster. Creeping up the side of the wall, Ovenus extended into a spider-like form, brimming with fangs and spindly legs. Launching through the window, she pounced on the applicator, the sounds of the struggle echoing through the enormous cavern. A body was thrown through the circular opening, the glowing aura about its head blinking out as if the metallic face smashed against the pavement. Bo stumbled back to avoid the plummeting body as it crashed to the ground, blood and little bits of machinery hitting against his armor. Scuttling out, his mother dropped to the ground on her many legs, morphing back into his arm. Those things are tough, 
Apparently this was an administration building, by the way. I saw a layout of the main colony, so that is convenient. We got lucky to be in the Central Hive. There are about six other districts that are connected to the main city. The armory is near the center of this district, she said, as her shape solidified. I also saw just how large the colony is. The main colony is about twice as large as the district we entered, with a population about four times as much. I think we shouldn't engage any more infected, at least we alert the horde, she advised. No arguments from me. Lead the way, Bo said as he walked around the broken blue body. Weaving around, they dodged any encounters with Dessen monsters before their paths crossed. Using nocturnally adapted eyes, Ovenus warned them when to divert their route into alleys and crevices. Their course was going rather smoothly, given the fact that they were in the middle of a doomed city. Closing in on the center of the hive, he saw that a massive column rose from the floor up to the shadows above, the light of the applicators emanating like orbs over its surface. The armory isn't part of that pillar, is it? Bo asked. No, the armory is about three blocks away now, his mother told him. Telling him this, a little blip appeared on Bo's HUD, alerting him of movement close by. Hold on. Something just moved up ahead, he warned. All right, we'll find another way around, Ovenus said. Moving silently across the street, they detoured around the unknown enemy, dimming their lights as to not attract its attention. Even as they reached the safety of an enclosed avenue, the little blip of his radar seemed to stalk him. Straining his ears, the hunter tried to catch the scuttle of a desin, or whatever form Owen could have taken. But... He heard nothing. Instead, the blip passed right over them, stopping just in front of the exit to the alley that they had taken refuge in. Holding his hand out, Bo held check from advancing any further. Wait, he whispered. Turning the brightness of the light attached to his helm, he pointed the soft beam of light down toward what was waiting to ambush them. Glimmering with moistness, an enormous, skinless creature sat, reflective eyes glittering in the light. As the light struck its face, the wide mouth spread as if grinning, long teeth dripping with saliva as bile seeped over its rotten-looking gums. A whip-like tongue coiled about inside its jaw as it unleashed an ear-splitting roar. The sound was so unbearable that his helmet kicked in audio dampers to prevent his eardrums from bursting. If nothing were aware of them now, that had definitely changed. As the monster extended an arm with deadly claws, he realized that this gigantic monster was Nagorn, one of the native gliding lizards that inhabited La Shada. Somehow, an applicator had managed to inject its poison into the beast, turning it into the horror before them. All of the scales on its skin had fallen away, leaving the raw meat underneath revealed. Whatever Hansen had done to cause mutations for a psychological attack, he had done all too well. The thing charging them instilled a hard coal-like lump of terror in his throat as he wheeled back away from its grasp. Ovenus reacted much more gracefully than Bo, pinning the folds of the skin the Aguan used for gliding to the wall. To their astonishment, the beast reeled back its arm, simply tearing the flesh away. Blood poured from the wound, splashing in a downpour onto the gray slabs of stone. Check regained his composure and let out a rattle of gunfire to little use. It barely reacted to bullets. 
Lashing out, the mutated creature's tongue wrapped around Ovenus and began dragging her toward its cavernous maw. Bo dug in his heels as two appendages speared out from the Hagowin's body, enabbing themselves into the wall. It was a vicious tug-of-war, a war that the mother and son were starting to lose. Slipping under the tremendous pull, the bounty hunter began sliding forward as Ovenus's body was reeled in. Behind him, he felt Chet grab a hold as well, doing all he could to help. Retracting her holding, the shapeshifter allowed herself to be pulled in. Jaw snapping closed, the Aguan monster swallowed her whole, still attached to Bo. Struggling against the muscles pulling him closer, he heaved his right arm fruitlessly to pull his mother out. With his hopelessness and panic beginning to consume him, the Aguan's head burst apart. Inside, showered him and Chek in a fountain of gray matter and shards of bone. In the center of where its head had once been was Ovenus, now a massive tumor of hard bone that had expanded from inside the skull. Rivets of ooze seeped from her surface as she shrank back down to form an arm. Sorry about that. I didn't think to do that at first, she said simply. Wiping the muck from his visor, the hunter was dumbstruck. How about a little warning next time? This is disgusting, he said, his voice shaking. Beside him, Chek struggled to wipe the bits of brain and blood from his orange faceplate, the effort doing nothing to remove it from its surface. Assisting his friend, Bo swiped the gunk away from the Kana as best as he could. He was able to clean off most of the mess except for a few slight smears on the visor. Muttering to himself in his native chirping, the bird angrily pulled a wire brush from a pouch and quickly scrubbed out the barrel of his gun. Never again, he said in English. Towing around the amidst's carcass, Bo and Chek followed Ovenus's lead once more. As they passed the animal's body, Bo noticed the large leather belt adorned with broken chains dangling loosely from its neck. That answered the question of how the Aguan became infected. It simply couldn't have gotten away. With the newfound drive to kill and devour, the beast must have used its strength to break free from the home of its former owner. He couldn't begin to fathom what kind of destiny would keep one of the lizards as a pet, given that the creatures ate bugs to begin with. On course once more, they crossed the final few blocks without any more hellish encounters. Ovenus inspected the buildings as they passed, softly exclaiming as they finally came across the elusive armory. Clambering through the doorway, they found themselves inside a lobby composed of sturdy metal paneling. Past a desk were two sealed hatchways, apparently the means to travel up and down the structure instead of an elevator. The armory should be a few levels below us now, she said. No power, Chek answered, looking across the lobby to the hatchway that led downward. Doesn't matter, she said as Bo's arm changed to paper-thin threads. Striding across the room, Bo held his arm out as the ribbon slid into the cracks of the hatch prying it open soundlessly. Inside was a ridged vertical tunnel that reached upward and dropped nauseatingly downward. Climbing in, the bounty hunter lowered himself, feeling for the footholds that were hidden in the dark. To aid him, Ovenus began to illuminate once more the gentle blue light filling the tube. After about a minute of descending, the Hagelin told him to stop. Breaching a hatchway once more for him, she snaked ahead as Bo eased himself inside. 
He had entered another lobby room, however this one seemed much more secure. Blind cameras dotted the corners, and a security checkpoint was planted right before the hatch. Walking through the gateway of the detectors, he went as his mother set to work on the opposite side of the room. Already, she was opening the next access way. Slipping through the creases, the ribbons of flesh warmed their way about the inner mechanisms and broke the electronic seal. Just as before, she did so expertly. Inside the armory proper, most of the racks had been ransacked, the weapons taken during the infection. Between the racks were more hatchways, however, these were unsecured. Gliding across the ground, Avanus entered one of the weapons vaults. This left Bo to search the other while she investigated the other's twin. Inside his own vault, Bo found it to be a munitions locker, with shelves of small canisters slightly bigger than his hand. Dustin writing was etched into the side, the foreign language as good as chicken scratch to the human. Shrugging, he clipped three to his belt. He was certain any grenade-like objects would be of some use in the damned hive. He hoped they were grenades. Sticking her head in, Alvinus said quietly, Found what we need. The Kano won't know what hit them. She seemed pleased, and as he walked back into the main room of the weapons vault, he was greeted by the alien holding a warhead. The dark metal of the missile almost blended in with the dark flesh that held it. It seemed lightweight and was about as half as big as he was. Such a small thing. Such a small thing to do so much. Biting his lip behind his visor, he asked, Is this really the only way? The serpentine head turned to the human, the voice sympathetic. Doing this could end their war and save an entire civilization, though. This would stop the spread of any further production of HG-00. We have to do this. Struggling with an answer, the man opened his mouth to speak as a single gunshot rang out from above. That can't be good, he said instead, rushing back to the shaft. Gingerly carrying the bomb, Ovina slid across the ground behind him. Pulling himself back up with one hand, the hunter painstakingly raced skyward. Coming level with the ground floor lobby, he peeked over the edge of the hatch. Crouched behind the desk with his gun at the ready was check. His back pressed against the room's long, lone desk. The Kana didn't notice the return and jumped when the man spoke. What's going on? Recovering from the startle, Chet crawled, his armor emitting somewhat audible clanks. Someone outside, the alien said gravely. Dragging himself out, he stayed low as he helped Avanus wedge the warhead through the hole. Settling it next to her companions, she regarded Chet. Is it a mutant? An applicator? Shaking his head, the soldier only said, Human. This struck Bo as odd, as humans weren't allied with the Desen Empire. They were instead with the superior Kana or Demur, however, disconnected from the war. Humans choosing to live with the insectoid aliens were unheard of, let alone a human living in the central hive. Did you see who it was? Bo asked. Again, the Kana shook his head. No, they shot at me. I found cover. As bizarre as it was, a human could be in the hive, and one that was willing to shoot at strangers was bad news. He couldn't imagine it to be a resident. 
the only solution he could come to was a looter, one of the passing game hunters looking for Agwan trophies to mount on a wall that stumbled upon the city. Great, so some idiot wants to kill us. It's three to one. We can just rush them and take care of it, Bo whispered. Carefully hiding the black tube, the Hagolin said softly, I agree. At most, they will probably only expect two opponents. Let's get this over with, the hunter said, beginning to feel anxious. We aren't helping ourselves just sitting here. Alvinus formed a small eye and peeped over the top of the desk. I can't directly see them, but there is a definitely someone outside, she said as she returned to his hand. Ready, Chek muttered as he brought his rifle up. Together, they jumped the desk, flashing their lights on, and bolted to attack the stranger. At the sound of the footsteps, the figure twisted into the circular doorframe. As their light hit them, Bo almost fell in shock. It was Pin. Thank you for joining me once again for another episode of The Three Tier Die. Metanoia, as well as the theme of the podcast, were both written by myself, and you can find more of my work at pain-sullivan.squarespace.com, where you can find links to all my books on Amazon, including Metanoia, as well as a couple other novels. But you won't find any music I've written. That's not really a normal thing for me. So this one was a lot longer than what I'm used to recording. I've kind of spoiled myself on my shorter chapters. But like I said last week, we're winding this down. We are so close to finishing this book. And I'm so excited. And with the impending conclusion of Metanoia, I am going to announce another break, if I didn't already. But this one is just going to be a month long, and in that time, I'm going to be building up an archive to post, which will be including recordings of Toad, which is a smaller series I do, with its sequel coming out soon. I know I said that last month, but it's just a process of making sure there's no editing errors, which my writing is unfortunately prone to since I am my own editor and I'm just I'm really learning now to buckle down and comb through all of my work to make sure that there are no mistakes so that will be coming out very very shortly which will hopefully be in the next few weeks and also while I'm on my posting break and recording more I am working on another book a main series book as you could say and it is the sequel to Metanoia. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have plans to be recording the sequel to Metanoia after the break because I'm going to be going through the process of getting it approved for copyright. And instead, I am very happy to say that the next book in, after my big break is going to be We in the Way. And that is less sci-fi and more fantasy. And it's going to be a fun change of gear, I believe. Maybe by the time I am done reading We in the Way, it will be time to do a reading of the sequel to Metanoia. Which, if you're a listener of the podcast, you're going to get the name of the sequel. 
I am officially announcing, not at the end of this year, maybe at the beginning of next year, the release of Bleeding Mother, the second book in the Blockhead series. Now, this is very tentative. Don't hold me to this. This is more of how long it takes for the copyright office to approve me on which will be when I can release it. So since I'm a self-made author and self-publish, I will be able to publish as soon as I get confirmation on Bleeding Mother. So there's a lot of stuff coming up. There's a lot of big, big plans. And I just... I'm so excited. The future is looking incredibly bright. So thank you once again for listening and have a good day.